Watch the skies. Watch the skies. Okay, let's not make a big deal about it. It's not really a big deal. We're back. Back um, in the saddle. Actually, this wait, just... just wait. Welcome <laughs> to Mainstream Radio. <laughs> Deck Rider Edition. This is showing real commitment to the game. We put out our vinyl Deep Cuts episode. Didn't get a lot of traction on the internet. No, it got about it got eight listeners on Spotify. Yeah, we eight. realized that actually, uh, people just want to hear the archive of the mainstream show, which yep. they is... want to hear themselves reflected back to them. <laughs> well, that's your theory. That's not what we do through this podcast. What do we do? Well, we certainly don't just want to reflect our own selves back at back ourselves. at each other. I mean, literally, all we're doing is just taking our friendship from the kitchen where it's depressing and ill-lit onto the radio radio waves radio waves (laughs) also we're talking about reflections and i'm listening to a delayed sound of my voice so i'm speaking slowly that's deep that's metaphorical sound that's the t we're what are we doing we're back you said I haven't been riding enough deck lately. I need to hop back up. And I said, "All right, I guess I can help you with that." What do you think people make of our homosocial flirtation on the internet? Um, probably the the few people who are actually listening to say, "Oh, that's nice." Maybe they're maybe they'll finally cross that bridge one day. I like that. I like that. <laughs> We did. We kind of crossed that bridge today. Maybe we'll, it'll make it onto the pod or not. But we were definitely dancing to some garage yeah, <laughs> at we, the end of the night. We lifted our hands above our waists. I was like, "This is how I know I'm a little gay." Yeah. And Kale was like, "No." And then he put his cute arms above his cute face. <laughs> no, it's undeniable. We just have had so much fun with our records and so we're going to play more for you we text each other and say actually i have really good music taste <laughs> <laughs> suddenly i've become so aware of another layer of performance i i maybe this podcast is good because it i i view podcast as a version of social media and i become less and less engaged with social media not only because of the performativity but because of like the great the the effect of drawing everyone into midness that is what (laughs) (laughs) social media basically does right unless you're like one of these people who has like 150 followers and then as soon as you get 200 followers you're like okay i need to burn this account (laughs) and start again i was talking to a girl from the dating apps on instagram today and it's it reminded me that we were having a business chat and I like that because oh, we're two professional right. accounts. Exactly. So wait, what does she do? Don't worry about it. I don't I'm need to worried leave. about it. Don't worry I about am, it. I have purient interest. I think she's a photographer. Of what? Of Feet? people. 
I think she took a picture of Margaret Atwood for a, a magazine. Although this is we need should we need to cut this out. We're not cutting it. I think we should because I don't know. I don't know where that's going to go. You're just worried that <laughs> is listening. Well, that too. But like <laughs> we, I haven't actually met her. Whereas all the other times I talked about dates on the podcast, we'd actually been out, and I had said, "Oh, I do a podcast." <clears throat> And it was worth, you know, you used to say, well, I, one time I fucked around with a guy, but now you say, oh, I have a podcast. I, I think that's a funny joke.
are going to talk about the music at some point i guess is it going this can't be a total vanity project why not what is a podcast if not a vanity project it is a disguised vanity project right it's you you you, it's the same as when you're an entertainer of any type it's that you it is about the story that you want to tell the joke that you want to tell like painting it's the ghost trace that you want to leave on the canvas but i mean unless you're agnes martin you're not trying to you know how to disappear completely john cage and beckett the modernists were kind of but not the postmodernists not the neo-libtards come on i don't know how to pick this one up i don't know how to pick this one up say yes yes say and (laughs) And we had four songs. What was the first song? I don't know what the name of the track is, but it's um it's a really special one. Very most special. It's not even on Discogs. Um I just checked. Very most special. It's very most special to me. Um that is from a f- a vine not a vinyl, like a I guess it I guess it is vinyl, but like a, a flexi disc. Um it's Lucky Dragons, the artist. It's from a flexi disc that I bought at the Images Festival here in Toronto. 2012 lucky dragons is the one of the the absolute most important artists in my life that set me on the path that i'm currently on now okay real talk why just like hearing fucking fucking computer music like that like mercy and be like oh but is shit it, is it also hardware based no 
Okay. No, it's all computer. Well, like I went and looked them up, and they did all this stuff, but it's it's all computer based. Like they did some, you know, uh, textile like uh, what's the word like wearable technology type stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but they use Max MSP, and that's right. the first time I heard about that. And I was like, I want to know what that is. I want right. to go to fucking art school and do that. And right. that's what I did. And, that's and Max what I do is now. a big theme for your music. It's pretty important to it. Yeah. Um, and it just led me down a path. Yeah, that I still am on now. That led me to like Oval and all this other equally sick, awesome computer music. Yeah. But I went and saw them at this little place on Spadina which is now like a textile shop or something like that. And I sat like as close as possible to them. I'm like, I am the one who sits close tonight. Like, I do not care about anyone else. This show is for me only. (laughs) (laughs) I need to see what's happening on those computer screens. (laughs) And I went up to them afterwards and I was like, oh, you're you're so important. Oh my God, you don't even know. (laughs) And I bought that record. And there, I don't know if there's any uh, examples. It, I don't think it's online anywhere. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's very special to me. If you happen to be in the Venn diagram of the people who listen to this podcast and the people who watch Mining Kale stories, you will have seen him aiming my mm-hmm. um, real tree uh, LED hat at that disc in, in the in the Instagram stories. Which is actually an apt um, presentation of that music because they did a lot of stuff of like shining a projector beam at CDs and like just making this these rainbow light shows with that. So works out. But they were, they were art school kids? Yeah. Yeah. So on the subject of um, individual-centered experiences of music, I find... Uh, that one oh tricks point never track that we included there pretty um pretty moving. Mm. I heard a good definition of art today, Seth Price, in a short story. He said that art is always meant to combine the interior with the exterior, the material with the immaterial. And one does there's that line from maybe Dostoevsky, I forget. I've definitely said it to you before. I don't know if I've said it on the pod, but um, of the French writers, they saw poetry in the fact that they do not lie. And you do have this idea that documenting, merely tracing what exists, inevitably it's going to be distorted or influenced by your specific perspective, but um, Price pushes back on this and is like, no, no, you are inevitably like projecting and pasting onto... So anytime when I'm listening to a song and I have that kind of uh, that like grunting sexual vocalization sound. When you catch a body melt. Yeah. That to me is that kind of interstice of... Anyway. That urine. Power of Persuasion by mm-hmm. One Out Tricks Point Never. That's a good track. Ultimate album. I thought the other albums were the best ones, but that's that best album. Replica is, Replica. It, it goes needlessly hard. Yeah. Ultimate document. I think a good document of our, of our time. I'd put that on the spaceship. I think it's, I think it, I think it is precisely because where sample instruments evolve to, which is where he, you get those loops, those jarring loops, which go back to Plunder Phonics, go back to Music Concrete, go back to Stockhausen. And then those 
synths that are at once quote quote futuristic and nostalgic, which is all serum, right? No, I think it's it's mostly Juno. <sighs> I feel like yeah, he, that's like his thing is he uses the Juno. I I shouldn't be surprised, like especially in Replica. Mm-hmm. I think the more recent stuff in interview I've heard him talk about using serum, but I do th- I find that. that there is nonetheless his new record, which is all the scores, has that kind of. But you can. I'm not going to say you can hear the difference between a Juno and a soft synth mm. because depending on how you process it and what you do by going into outboard gear makes a big difference. But there is um, even direct off the outputs. There's a there's a difference to the sound. Yeah, he and I think it was like immediately after that record is when he started doing computer stuff and like just that fully using Korg presets. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, I think he used an Omnicron on some of the new stuff. Uh, sorry. I believe it. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Omnicord. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Omnisphere, the sampler thing, which he did use. And I, when I did Physical Culture, I was like fully just like taking a bead from him and like, okay, I need to download Pirate as many like top of the line synthesizers and then like see what they're doing. Because if you... You mentioned we should link to physical culture in the show notes because that album fucks. It's That's pretty it's pretty good. It's probably my favorite album by you, top two. Hmm. It's not bad. I like the other one, which is just what's it called? The ones with the like exclamation point at tilde <laughs> number. That one's the best. <laughs> that one's really good too. Interesting. Orange County. Look up Orange County by Tax Haven. That's a good song. What's your second track? In the four pack, I don't remember. You said you wouldn't remember. Well, I remember when I hear it. I remember what it is. Let me think. Let me think. So yeah, as I was saying, you know, you jump around from Lucky Dragons, and you start YouTubing. Wait a minute, I'm not done talking about One of Tricks Point Never actually, because <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember reading this interview of him. Where he's like, where he talks about going to school for like information studies or something like that, and he's talking about the vaporwave stuff and these like weird samples of like commercials that he has and he uses in a lot of his music, um, specifically the Chuck Persons Echo Jam stuff, but also I think it it comes out on Replica these like weird little loops that aren't necessarily musical but have they're not they're not necessarily samples of songs but there's still these musical phrases Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. but he made this specific mention of like talking about hating the way that we process information and he's like i'm not just going on youtube and like looking up 90s like commercial Mm. you know and then taking samples from that he's talking about like going to the library and like sifting through hours and hours of like archival footage or something like that i like that that interesting Definitely. So my first indie band that I did was called Archivist. And part of the reason that I called it that is because I was using Fruity Loops to start, GarageBand to start, and I used a shit ton of samples. Like I was using a laptop where people were like, "Mm, probably shouldn't have a laptop on stage for an indie band. It looks kind of stupid. Hell yeah. Um, That's ultimate. But the reason I called it that was because I was precisely pulling uh, off of like... Uh, literal sound archives in at NASCAD in mm. Nova Scotia or um, at the library at Concordia or and then yeah like the Internet Archive and YouTube and and 
that was definitely my ethos. But then I came to this whole new philosophical turn as a result of that, where like where you get your sample really doesn't matter mm -hmm. because it's all, all that matters is the, it's just like, you guys don't know how important this is. And it's like, well, they don't, it doesn't matter because music isn't necessarily, it's unless you're doing something conceptual, mm -hmm. who fucking cares where you got it? I, it doesn't matter if he got off of a wax cylinder. I do agree, but I do think it like it go, it goes back to like the or I'm thinking about it like an, a relationship to tools is important. Mark Whether Fell, or not big sheds. What's that? Mark Fell, big sheds. <laughs> True. Fuck, I never actually finished that. But like it's in the way where it's like any fucking guitar sounds exactly the same, but then you have that one guitar that you really want to play. And that, mm. so that's the one that brings out all the best shit because it's the one that you feel good about playing and mm -hmm. whatever. So I think, I think there is something to be said of like, as I kind of hate that I'm saying this, but it's like, Oh yeah, I fucking dug for that record. I dug for the, you dug for the fucking amen break. I, I, I think there's like, when you, when you do like go the extra mile to get something or like, I think it, Maybe it doesn't even come out in the music, but I think maybe the fact that you've done that means you ba make better music or could possibly mean that you make more intentional or. I agree about intention, but whether or not that intention translates, because I think for me personally, a lot of it, it was like people saying some heavy shit that I would be drawn to. But then it would also be just like textures, mm -hmm. like stuff that sounds unique. Yeah. But then what is the argument between the acousmatic and the music concrete pre people? Like the music concrete was meant to dissociate sounds from its context. Did, like, mm -hmm. did you think that you fell out of a coconut tree? <laughs> and then, and then the, and then the acousmatic or is it vice versa? But there, I, I don't th think this I can is speak like an old debate, or like at least a decades-old debate about like the relevance weird. of the origin of the sound. Mm. Oh, it drives me fucking crazy when someone's like, "Well, I actually sampled my couch and made a kick drum of it," but what they did was they sampled their couch and then they took a single cycle of the waveform, which is just exactly the same as any other waveform, and then made yeah. the kick out of that. That yeah. drives me crazy. I mean, thinking about different calls, like like sound art calls it's so, it's so tempting to be like i'm gonna make an all vocal record or i'm right, gonna make an all music re uh, water recording record or because <laughs> then it's marketing yeah. you're not talking about the music you're talking about marketing yeah. and that i can't stand that i think the less marketing the better the music should stand for itself this is what okay this is a incredible segue to third track in the set block by oval and christoph charles christoph charles what does he say let the stand, let the sounds, Christoph Charles, what does he say? Let the sound hold itself up. Think about it. I like that. I like that. But then it's, the question is, does the context matter? The context is of, it, of its production. The thing about it is, is a recording captured right there in the name is a record of an event. Hmm. Does that record tell? In a, in, a, in a radically alienated context. So I think a good segue, also this is a Pierre Schaefer, what is it, uh, un 
Symphony pour un homme seul or whatever. I thought you said it was called erotique because of all those child sounds. <laughs> Easy. It's you a, said it. It's a, that movement is called erotique. And so we included the last bit is erotique and sc- the scherzo of uh, that um, symphony. Hmm. You call it a symphony? Yeah. Sick. Well, and then he has different movements that refer back to that. In any event, if you listen to the first part of it, and I played that for Kale earlier today, it is a little bit irritating. It sounds almost like John Cage, but it's coming from a completely different philosophical position. But then by the time you get to erotic, or maybe it's erotica, uh, you can really begin to hear and feel the intention of it mm-hmm. he is repeating the laughs of an actress and then there's some like very betty boop kind of like cheesecake sounds it's a lot more musical than i would have expected like when i think of by music, that like, movement it really is it's a, at first it's almost like a fuck you kind of like hard mm-hmm. clash composition okay but not as rigid as the plunder phonics can be but even like compared to stockhausen where it's like yeah much more musical it, well, like and like more ordered even. Whereas the Stockhausen stuff, it's kind of it, you kind of get the feeling of it's like this is just the way it came out. Like it right. was highly considered, but like some of it, you know, like it can only be so perfect. Whereas this almost sounds like one or two point never. Like almost sounds like loops, like very tight loops somehow. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you're right. It's interesting because it, my favorite kind of like drone ambient artist comes out of this same scene, Elian Radigay, and they did not like her work. Neither of them liked her work. One was vocal about it, I believe Schaefer, and then Pierre Henri was just like walked out of the room and never talked to her about it again. Was it just because she was a woman or was it? I mean, they're doing these aggressive cuts. They're doing this kind of like, it's kind of like, almost chiaroscuro, like how mm-hmm. contrasting yeah. it is. Whereas her shit is very subtle and very slow. Some of her pieces are like three hours long and she's mm-hmm. literally like twisting a knob on her arp, you know? So like her stuff, I guess, so they're rejecting like the organic quality and like the the idea that these sounds exist on their own. I think so. What I wanted to say about it is they had like a whole lab like a whole facility at a institution of music dedicated to playing with tape and like getting good at this medium and it's kind of hard to imagine the analogy except for all the disparate bedrooms in which people are fucking with ableton at this point
clad. Come again. Come again, old boy. We don't want to have no off. That's a harmony. Anyway, we stop to do it. Make me hear it. It's a feeling 
to it Heavy, alight with trueness Always a way of losing, compelled to know it My body travels, my mind waits behind the music My crime be muses, relax inside my shiny blueness Time I understand it, but I never choose it I can't explain it with words, I have to do it The ship I came here on vanished, we automatic Who try to plan it, but yeah just when it comes Handle it, behind the lessons, miles beneath the slick dressing Niggas is stressing, about shit they should be sure they guessing I twirl it cool and peel the view cause they are arresting The red jumpsuit and Chinese slippers, I'm still impressive All up on the racks, old school cat from way back Gave him my meal cause he not wiping off, this my impression He asked me how you float all sharp and always have a fresh one And seemed to know the answer to the most proverbial questions I told him Wanga Echi swirled it in a book of sketches I find the diamonds underneath the subtlest inflections Hard dude, the spicier the food When you choose, fuck they rules It's a feeling, it's a feeling It's a feeling, it's a feeling It's a feeling it's a feeling, it's a feeling, it's a feeling That's, that's, that's something fresh, that's something fresh Nonetheless, nonetheless Rhyming in the felt, in the felt the pace, to mind the screen and stage, to see who got the glaze, to hustle up or fade, either get made or play, find your spot in the shade, and nigga get paid, so we internalize that, but then we customize that, ride the relationship between where our grand and our skies at, I slowed it down once, everyone was going fast, so I sped up cause I ain't want to reach the end last, to where the grimy sparkles, amongst the shiny talkers, the pistol poppers that make pretty noise and get them dollars, and while the world watches, we send our street scholars, to some presidents and hundred thousand dollar watches Some of the feds got us, some of us dead Lot of us still solid though Using all the licks the streets taught us And what that heat cost us And what that loss gave us Fucking with the people, it's always gonna come back around It's about to be Big movements from below The golden age lies ahead Struggles proceed You can't lie to yourself To yourself, you can't lie how it felt No surprise how the cards getting dealt That's why I won't be back for a long time
cold in the garage. Good Christ. It got colder. It did get since, colder. So like since we recorded just now it got colder. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be when you pee that you get warmer. Is it? Yeah. Because apparently you need to keep your bladder at a certain temperature and that diverts energy. Interesting. Four well, pack? Yes. It was a very w- first track, very warm. Um, that was from Rhythm and Sound uh, featuring Tiki Man. Did I say that too weird? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tiki Man. That was uh, Rhythm and Sound featuring Tiki Man, the basic channel guys doing production for reggae artists. Um, that's cool, like fucking 10 inch 45 that I got. And that is the the B side. So it's the even more dub version than the original side. That track hits. You're a big dub guy. I re- It really is the best fucking music. I'm in Kensington Market all the time. And there's one place. They play really loud music. Most of the time it's reggae. I shazammed it this week. And it's just always like... This music fucking rules. I don't even need to smoke weed. This shit rocks. But you like every iteration of it, like Pole. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's yeah he's he's searching for the ultimate bass sound, as of course he says. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. It's just it just does it. It like you can feel it. It's you feel the haze and like the humidity and just like oh, it's so heavy and. And it's so it's so responsible for so many things that I like. Yeah, no, that's real. And usually I don't give a fuck about putting respect on influential things. But this, I get it. Like, fucking Nirvana, King, King fuck Tubby. Beatles. I don't even know. But this, the music... King Tubby's the guy who modded the... R- right. Yeah. I'm not so familiar with his stuff, but... Yeah. yeah. Flying Hats or whatever it's called. I don't know. And then somehow I ended up dominating this pack, uh, a very cancelable pack. Um, it, I did bring out the Salem vinyl, mm-hmm. but uh, Kale picked the, the specific iteration of it. Yeah. So some of the cancelable material is... My my fault, obviously. Um, Salem, Kale was saying, the only witch house act that anybody remembers under yeah. that very... Um, provocative title from and, the 2010s. <laughs> and honestly, if if you were really into Witch House, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like, don't if know. If you were into it enough that you still, what I mean to say is if you were into it enough that you still remember it now, like, that's kind of sus. I don't know. And I'll say why. We were talking about the production of this. It's like... Fisher Price in a way that's very satisfying to me. I really like lo-fi aesthetics. And you can really hear the sample is mixed in a totally different uh, sonic texture, sonic range than the drums are. The drums are like so pristine, like Ableton clean. Right. And then and the synths. And then, but the, and you can like hear the master bus compa- compressor like ducking. You, yeah. You, the bits where there's no drums, the vocals get l- way louder and then they go back. Yeah. I I wanted to have this take where it's like, you know, Salem <laughs> crawled so that, uh, you know, Blady and Young Lean could walk. But then I got looking, I was like, actually, at least Young Lean is well before. I'm surprised to hear that. Because yeah. I swear to God, I heard about Salem like when I was in high school. I may be and wrong. I Young thought, Lean I was thought... more like 2013. Uh, actually, you're probably right. And, and Salem's 2010. 
And it, it just does capture a certain uh, weird historical moment. And these guys mm-hmm. did suffer. Like, I think their cancellation was much more more aesthetic like like did they nobody even... knew that it was a white guy doing all that rapping with mm-hmm. having dropped his voice and when he tried to do it live people were like uh when you look at the the titles on the track and it's like okay right <laughs> you're leading into this um and then of course the kind of like middle eastern sample also a bit of a no-no this kind of this also dovetails very nicely with <clears throat> well sort of with the last episode because we were talking about Maeve's show, Charcuterie Board, that yeah. I played. And of course, Maeve was like an hour late to the show, <laughs> like past the doors. Her own show. Her own show, because she was on a date with a, someone I knew, seeing this movie called The Color of Pomegranates. So she knew she was going to be late to her own yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> to see a movie. <laughs> and, and I was talking to I'm like, oh, I know that. I know that because... There is a Salem fan edit music video for this song, Tear, that's made uh, out of sick. the color of pomegranates. And it's so beautiful. And it really, you you got to watch the song. You got to watch the video and listen to the song at the same time. It really adds, because it's got, like you say, that Middle Eastern kind of vocal sample. And it goes with this, like, I guess it's more like a USSR style Middle Eastern Maybe you'd pull a screen cap of that for the album art. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, and then uh, I think Kale was just uh, pulling out some of his influential tracks and or tracks that he just thought terribly beautiful. And so I had to put Shabazz Palace. And I, and I like, I just, mm, not much to say about it in terms of the evolution of uh sampling and arrangement i just really like um that shabazz palace album in in particular um how quickly it moves how much range it has to offer and uh i don't know he was on that battles album that was fucking mid oh shabazz palace was yeah unfortunately uh and i don't know i'm not in love with all of the more recent stuff but those those early shabazz palace albums were pretty deadly hmm. and then dedican cut also canceled and uncanceled um but, problematic king <laughs> uh but i really like uh his ambient music in particular the use of filled recordings and you like it so much that you bought a yoga mat with his name <laughs> I on it. I do have the Dedekin cut yoga mat. That is my yoga mat. That's a good, that's ultimate merch. <laughs> it's pretty good merch. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We can't deny there are spirits in this house You shut the door The wind closes to more I laugh a die 
Yeah, so on the subject of Young Lean, this was our sad boy set. Oh, yeah. Yeah, starting off with Jandek, um, I think that that song's called Chair Beside a Window. <laughs> that title's crazy. <laughs> I don't, it's probably not even called that. I can't remember. Either that or... No, it's not called Ready for the House, but that's another one of it. I think that's a record or a song, but I really like that title. But uh, I was reading that book, Molly, um, that Blake Butler wrote about his wife killing himself. No, that, that book sounds crazy. It's, it's so fucking good. Said, no. yeah. It's so fucking good. And it's just so mental. And so he writes about grief and just feeling. He writes about emotions so well that in a way that at least I found so relatable and i was really in that mood reading this book and then i bought this jandek record in the store and i was like oh is that the one with that song and it it was and this song is just so fucking brutal it sounds like it really sounds like your wife just shot herself in the head and you're sitting there being like well what now Mm. it's just so brutal and it's 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 very tonal it's very straight for him Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just haunting. It's very haunted. It gets in your ass. Yeah. I love it. It's brutal. Um, my mimetic response was Vincent Gallo's So Sad, <laughs> which uh, I have as a single uh, featuring two elderly ladies and then i kind of wonder why he put them on there because they don't look like unhappy ladies um <laughs> and the record's like one song and then the same song on the other side but played at a different speed yeah because he's like super into fidelity and all of that sort of thing is that oh i figured it was just a troll but it's like the same song at a different speed just to make it sound better. like it's not repeated. 45 yeah right. yeah what a motherfucker. He's a motherfucker. A He's true a, motherfucker. I, he came onto my radar because I would be like bouncing at the Bowery Poetry Club in New York and people would come up to me and be like, you look like Vincent Gallant. True. Like, I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when people first started having smartphones and a, a woman like was like, huh, shoves it in my it's face. Like, He's the guy who made the shirt that's like, I'm going to come on Michelle Obama or something. Oh like my that. God. What, do you know what I mean? He's another very problematic king yeah. i mean actually i don't i don't he because he's a motherfucker who's on some like he made a film and won't show anybody and okay. that to me seems a bit yeah like wanky like i'm not i don't really need to ride for him i do not but i especially some of his um this is the song for the girl paris hilton there's some really mm-hmm. good tracks and he like in a pre-web two sort of way, seemed very adept at the zeitgeist, and I don't know. For instance, purposely we've peppered a couple of drum break treats into this pod. Purposely, we have peppered. A couple <laughs> 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 That's good. And uh, I, I definitely have um, used the loop from "So Sad" with the with the drum and the guitar in there. And there's just good. something so arch. I I think what I like about that track is. It does, it's either doing insincerity to a sad degree or doing sadness to a degree that goes beyond insincerity. I, it's very hard to, hmm. <laughs> to track. Interesting. But, but 
it's like even though he's he's being like how do i write a sad song what is the most kind of literal okay yeah and now i'm just gonna hammer that i would in in my past i would say it's like a cheat code to getting people to like you is to just speak very plainly the words like i'm so sad yeah like i I'm thinking I was thinking about this because my brother would always send me this music when he was in a a dark place mm. for a long time and he'd just be like, Oh guys, like my brother group chat, he'd be like, Guys, listen to this track, it's so good and it's just like a stupid fucking co- pop country song with a guy saying that he's sad. And I was mm-hmm. like, What is this? Like I don't I can't fucking relate to this at all. This sucks. I do not I don't know how anyone could get anything out of this. And then this past year, I got into Red House Painters a lot, mm. Mark Kozilek, and he's just doing that, but in, you know, in my world, mm. I guess. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm getting it, that he's just saying exactly what is true, and that's the real shit. He's not, he's not making it anything other than what it is. There is a kind of cultural schizophrenia that recurs, and one of them has to do with the ornateness of language or the directness of language. Mm-hmm. And I think what I was saying earlier about um, trying to capture something exterior to me without uh, besmearing it or projecting it with my interiority mm-hmm. connects to that. And so I think there is a way to capture a feeling that might be uh, about hyperbole or might be about imagery or might be about um, even the emotion of the music. Hmm. But there is a kind of like small M minimalism that comes to just trying to say the thing as plainly as possible. Right. And I think whether or not that's honest fluctuates but if you look back to the emergence of modernism, especially in literature, but also in sculpture and more generally, it is a response to the rise of speechification and fascism, hmm. where there is this kind of like uh, use of language to obfuscate and obscure truths. And people are like, okay, fuck all that. And with this fake news moment or whatever, mm-hmm. um, with this like... Um, athletic discursive shifting that like the left is probably even more guilty of than the right. It kind of makes sense that there would be this return to a more direct um, an affection for a more direct connection to language. Because not as mm-hmm. if like we're gonna be a group of monkeys who unfuck ourselves. Like it's not like we can make ourselves not crazy. Mm-hmm. Like undo the word. Hmm. What was your third song? Third track in here is Joan of Arc. Mm. Ultimate band for me. Very important. Um, but just, just to touch back what we're just talking about, like all of Joan of Arc's lyrics, they're so fucking surrealist. Right. And all of Tim Kinsella, he's like the main guy. They kind of don't make sense but they're still, they're so visceral somehow to me. Like he's in this other band, Cat and Jazz, which is like an emo band. And there was a claim that he wrote all the lyrics that the band ever used in one night, just like doing mushrooms by a fire when he was like 15. And then he just wrote all the shit. 
<laughs> and so it's kind of disjointed, but he emotes it so strongly and you like watch him and he's just kind of like, you know, freaking yeah. out autistically somehow. <laughs> it's like he's so, he's like a guy that is so pure of intention, but like so obfuscating with form. Right. Singer, not the song. True. Um, words without a song. Wilco. Eyes without a face. Billy Idol. Um, <laughs> see, Wilco, pro. Everyone in Chicago was doing an album where they put the computer on it. And right. then Wilco's like, okay, maybe we'll do that too. And Joan, we got Joan of Arc, we got Gastro Del Sol, we got Califone being like, okay, bro, hold my beer. Right? <laughs> Well, that was the one album that I really liked off of them. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that is the best top like I don't want I hesitate to keep saying ultimate, but of course, Yankee Hotel Fox Drop. This is, is literally where you do begin triumphant. to overlap with your dad. You were yeah, saying my, today no. earlier like where your dad was like just wait till you get older and then you'll know. Then you'll like music like me. Yeah. No, but Wilco has been from time like since that came out, he would play that, and I was like, "Yes, this." No, music. that album fucks. Even when I was into much more um, cotton candy pop music, right? Yeah, it's the perfect. Even Summer Teeth before it was Summer like, Teeth's good though. Had intense production, yeah, and like those two albums I've been listening to since they came out. Even though I was very young, I guess very important. Not necessary, I guess, to this conversation. Joan of Arc, this record I bought off of a person on Tumblr. <laughs> Respect. And on my 19th birthday, I went and bought a pack of cigarettes, and then I walked up to Bloor and Bathurst to the coffee shop that no longer exists, and I bought this record, and I met M. Cuthbert. Huge fucking shout-out to them. Owner of a Mountain Far Records and was like, hey, I'm going to do a show. You should come to it. And I said, okay. And here I am. <laughs> it was the first like punk show I went to in Toronto. And it led me to making all these friends and connections. And now I do all these things. So this record is very important to me because it was like the gateway to, all to that. many things in so many to ways. deep roots and deep guts. Very important. And it fucking rocks. When I heard this in high school, it was like, what the hell are they doing? I like it. I need more of it. I need to think about this a lot for the next 15 years. And here I am. <laughs> and then I just put Grouper on because Grouper's kind of sad. It's pretty good. In the ethos. I liked it. The track fucks, but I haven't got a lot to say about it. Right. I'm not too familiar, but I, I like what I heard tonight just from skipping around. Grouper had an ex who was trying to get me on it a while ago. And I was like, hey. Eh. And now, groupers, groupers like go-to. for girls, but respectfully. But basically, anything that you say is for girls ends up being for me. Kanye West, rap music's for girls. <laughs> yeah. Drug, <laughs> drugs, yeah. drugs are for girls, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, no, but gr- grouper, def- big respect. I think respectfully. Yeah, I'd like to check that out more. Actually, no. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess we do have one plug and probably nobody's going to be listening by this point but mm. let's do it anyway is that we have uh, a big compilation coming out at the end of March 
Yes, we've collected recordings from a bunch of people who've played our show, Mainstream, and we've asked them to contribute tracks, and they're really great. Yeah. We're producing a tape um, in collaboration with Imaginary North Records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, 10 experimental artists, and we put out the call, kind of like... Terry picked uh, a number of artists that we've been lucky enough to get um, close to through the show and just through being involved in the community and people brought out some of the best shit. Yeah. Like this is, I, we do. Hold up, hold up. Let them cook. <laughs> I don't know why I interrupt, but just, I more, more so meant hold up to the audience because he's <laughs> about to speak and he's going to speak truth. <laughs> Just, just these tracks are are super strong. Um, I guess you tell people you're going to put them on a cassette and uh, they bring their A game. But really, really excited to share this out. We're hoping to have a launch show March 29th, venue TBD. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, really excited to share these tracks. Really excited to be working with Imaginary North, who's been getting so much shine mm-hmm. around the city and on the internet and all that too. And it's very nice to us. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to Daniel Fuel. Yeah. So what song are we going to do last? I don't know if we're going to do Toby Driver or if we're going to do Armin Van Halen. <laughs> Pretty similar, to be honest. It's, we could, it's really a crapshoot. <laughs> I think what we should do is we should play them over top of each yeah. other. And I don't think people are going to be able to distinguish. No. They're kind of the same tempo. Same key, probably. I think we should play Armin Van Halen because it's a bit left field for the most of what we've included if we play armin it's because it's a bit of a personal anthem or if we play toby driver yeah why because he rocks hmm. and because i like because you even you like it no i do like it I toby play driver it. makes I played, music played for toby guys. driver a lot this summer he makes music for guys but even you liked it <laughs> that's and that <laughs> that's is tea. saying something and that's t and that's that t on that and he ate he ate <laughs> and that doll ate her mother <laughs> <laughs> wow what is my problem with man you ask no i ask you what was man's problem with me
It's my life, it's my life. 